This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. Have you ever endured the pain of being attacked personally? I mean, it's a pain unlike any other, isn't it? And growing up in a pastor's home, I know all too well how people can attack your family and how deeply that can hurt. Well, on today's podcast from Numbers 12, Moses is enduring these kind of attacks, and how he handles it is critically important for us to investigate. I want you to notice the first three verses of Numbers chapter 12 today. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman that he married, for he had married a Cushite woman. They said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not only speak through us? And the Lord heard it. Moses was a very humble man, more so than any other on the face of the earth. Now, we spent quite a bit of time chronicling the people's complaining amid their dysfunctional move from Egypt to the land of promise. And I'm not sure why we would have expected anything more from these people than this. Remember, this family had been dysfunctional from the start. Right from the jump, we see Abraham lying about his wife, then sleeping with another woman at the suggestion of Sarah. We see the division between Jacob and Esau, the fight between Jacob's wives for his attention, the hatred and family division in Jacob's sons. Now, this group has been nothing but trouble from the start. And one has to wonder why God chose to use such a dysfunctional family and to bless them with his covenant presence. Uh, There was indeed nothing in them worth redeeming, and yet God decided to use them mightily to display his character and power and provision and planning to the world. Only God could rectify such ridiculous wrongheadedness and make them a people for his glory. Well, here in Numbers chapter 12, we see another example of such dysfunction. What mainly had been complaining from the people has now turned to criticism from within the leadership of God's people. Aaron had already shown his ineptitude as a leader at the base of Mount Sinai when he had been swept into the frenzy of idolatry that was spawned by the people's impatience as they waited on Moses atop the mountain. Motivated by the accolades of the people and the envy of his own heart, Aaron assumed for himself the position of leader in Moses' absence, and he led the people down a catastrophic deluge of idolatry and eventual destruction. And now he had drugged Miriam, their sister, into the problem, and they too had begun to criticize Moses for being married to a Cushite woman, as if this marriage somehow precluded him from being the one singular leader that God had chosen. And now they're putting doubt in the minds of the people as to whether or not they should listen to Moses because he's married to a foreigner. Now this foreign woman, her name is Zipporah, had already saved Moses' life once when he failed to circumcise his son before delivering the people. Zipporah knew that Moses couldn't go to call the people to covenant faithfulness when their own son did not himself have the sign of that covenant, the symbol of circumcision. And so she was willing to act when Moses wasn't. 
Now, for more on that story, I invite you to listen to the podcast on Exodus 4. It's a powerful image of the gospel, but it also underscores for us the character of this woman. Her father had also been of tremendous help to Moses, giving him terrific advice as they returned to Sinai in Exodus 18 when Moses is overwhelmed with the weight of the people. It is Jethro who comes to him and tells him that he needs to raise up some other leaders around him. Terrific advice that God blesses. So this God-fearing family had done nothing but be a help to Moses. And yet the envy and the jealousy of Miriam and Aaron had done such damage to their family. These attacks were personal. They were family-related. And one can only imagine the pain that they must have induced in Moses. But perhaps the most important and encouraging words of this chapter are the last five words of verse 2. And the Lord heard it. This was the comfort that Moses had. He knew the Lord had heard the unjust criticism that his family was enduring, and he had the sense to allow God to handle it. The very next verse tells us all we need to know about Moses' character in this. Moses was a humble man, the word says, more so than any other on the face of the earth. This man had learned a thing or two about humility. You don't become the most humble man on the face of the earth without facing some things that will crush your pride. After having grown up in the luxury of Pharaoh's palace, Moses had done the right thing in spurning Egyptian royalty, choosing instead to serve with humility as a slave among his people. And after they had rejected his cries for freedom and his rash anger against an Egyptian, Moses had tried once before to right the wrongs levied against him and his people, and it had blown up in his face. Remember after he kills the Egyptian, the next day he sees two Israelites fighting, and he comes to them and says, you guys don't need to do this. And they both turn on him and say, what are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? They had turned on him when he had tried to rectify the evils and injustice that they were experiencing. This was what led him to the desert mountains of Sinai in the first place, where he would meet Jethro and Zipporah. Moses had learned the hard way that God was a much better fixer than he was. That God could, on a cosmic scale, curtail injustice far better than his adolescent wrath could muster. He had learned to let God fight the battles and right the wrongs. Long nights in the desert, running for his life, chasing after sheep, had taught him this. And so even though the pain was more profound than ever, even within his own family, he was willing to let God fix it. And fix it, he did. Calling all three of them to the tent, God powerfully vindicates Moses' leadership and basically embarrasses the two insurgents by dismantling their coup for power. Moses was the people's undisputed leader, and God had made that abundantly clear. As the two of them left with their proverbial tails between their legs, God smites Miriam with leprosy. And in an unlikely turn of events, Aaron has to swallow a whole piece of humble pie immediately and beg for Moses to pray for their sister's healing. Much to their surprise, Moses does precisely that. I'm not sure I would have had the fortitude required to pray honestly for the very person who had so attacked my wife with the racial slurs that were levied at Zipporah. And yet Moses' character shines in this chapter as he prays for her healing, a healing that God grants according to Moses' request. 
And Miriam has to live captive in the wilderness for seven days, according to God's command, before she can return to the camp. Now, I like to think that she had to come to the same recollections as Moses did as he wandered in the desert. The application here for us is pretty direct, isn't it? God is the one who appoints the leaders for his people. He prepares them for that work long in advance, and any criticism levied at them is to be dealt with by God directly. The leader in God's church dare not defend himself, not if he has the faith that the Lord hears their attacks, for God will vindicate his man. We need only to remain humble and not feel the need to defend ourselves. Let's remember that there's a relationship between being defensive and being arrogant. It is pride that feels the need to protect ourselves and defend ourselves when attacked, while humility lives in faith, believing that God knows what's best, and being self-aware enough that you may have some insufficiencies that you need to deal with. We have to remember as leaders how Jesus dealt with injustice. He was dealt the most injustice of us all. And yet in 1 Peter, we're reminded that we were called to this because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. This is the model for the Christian leader, to accept injustice as part of the process, to not commit sin, to not have deceit in our mouth, to not return insult for insult, and when we suffer, to not threaten, but instead entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. If we really believe that we can entrust ourselves to him, that is God, if we really believe that God hears their attacks, we can rest knowing that ultimately God will defend us if the need arises. We can entrust that to God alone. This is what true humility does. It does not feel threatened when it's attacked. Instead, we refuse to defend ourselves, but let God protect our leadership. It is, after all, his leadership that he has entrusted to us. Remember that this is his people and that he alone leads them. He chooses to administrate that leadership and to give it to us, and he will defend us if necessary. We should instead focusing, focus on protecting his name and leave him to defend ours if necessary. So God, don't let us get distracted by hurtful criticism and attacks. Help us to remember that these are your people and help us to be more interested in defending your name and leave ours out of it altogether. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.